listening to No Names All Game. All right, guys, welcome back to No Names All Game, your go-to Penn State football fan podcast. I've said it before, I will say it again. We are fans. We are not experts. We are not journalists. We're not even professionals. We're just a couple of guys who love talking Penn State football. We love doing it with you guys. We love doing it with each other. And here, as usual, is my co-host, Sweens. Dan, how are you doing today? You know, first off, Pat, we are professionals, just not in this field. We are professionals elsewhere. Let's that's let's a, give that's ourselves a good point. We're professional at something. <laughs> at something in some place at some time, just just not necessarily on the uh, the football media trail. Um, but you know, doing well. Feel like uh, you know we, get, we had to give ourselves a little time to get our voices back after that last pod. Um, you know, and going into this one, if last week was uh, was was the the top level hot sauce, the spicy pepper, this week we're uh, we're taking a bite into a tomato. Uh, we're taking a bite into a cucumber. It's uh, it's it's a much different vibe, a much different week that we're heading into with this matchup against Indiana. Yeah, this is an interesting one because this is an Indiana program that. Um... I mean, you could say like kind of started the downfall of Penn State football for two seasons <laughs> with with that opening loss in 2020, uh, the very controversial non-touchdown that was called touchdown. Um, it was a program that really seemed like it was trending in the right direction and has fallen away from that trend fast. Uh, Tom Allen has gone from being kind of like a, you know, a national darling of a guy who can do a lot with a little to a guy who is very much on the hot seat to like, I think most people would be surprised if he's in this job next season. That's been, it's been an ugly year, uh, especially this year, but yeah, it, it felt like maybe they had some life in them and they, they always kind of sat in the middle of that pack where they had a couple of good players every year. Uh, you know, Penix, gets hurt you know they have they're falling out and then he transfers and now he's a Heisman favorite which I don't think anyone in Indiana would have expected that to play out that way um and yeah they're 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 a flauntering team um coming off of a loss against Rutgers which uh, I think the program in general probably wouldn't have thought that that would come this quickly but in a year like this honestly they're kind of in a flip script where Rutgers beating a lot of teams they expect to be um, that are kind of in the middle and the bottom tier in Indiana. Rutgers on the way up. Not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so not necessarily a bad loss this year, all things being equal, but I mean, it's, it's very conducive to, to what Indiana has looked at all year, which is that they really haven't been able to uh, put up too much of a fight against anyone that's a winning record and above uh, for the most part. Yeah. And I, I, you'd never really expect Indiana to have a Heisman even hopeful as a quarterback with like they had with, you know, future Penix. But they always <laughs> had some guys who were like, you know, they were never great, but they were like kind of squirrely, like could do something, hurt you with their legs a little bit for a few years there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had some Huddle, decent right? running backs come through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was never it was never over the top, but it always felt like they had they had a couple of guys, and they always had a couple of good guys on defense too. Um, a couple of linebackers, a couple of D-backs that always came through their system that that made them competitive and a little bit choppy, definitely scrappy in a lot of games where they're closer than you'd think against you know Indiana. But yeah, this year they're just not they're just not finding much at all, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the offense doesn't look great. The defense is nothing special either. So they're, they're coming in averaging 
311 yards per game, which is not the worst for a bad team, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but only 18 points a game, which is pretty bad considering you start your schedule off with like three games you're supposed to win every year, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Under 200 yards passing per game, a little over 110 rushing per game. Not again, just nothing that is like nothing that scares you. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird offense, um, and just just yeah, nobody stands out as kind of a leader in the clubhouse. Even their two quarterbacks are kind of splitting reps, and throughout the year have been in and out of the lineup with with Soresby and Jackson, um, different guys leading the team at different times. I don't know if that's necessarily been an injury thing or they've just been kind of doing the two QB system, which we know never never really works out all that well. Um, and then, you know, a couple of guys in the backfield that are solid uh, in Jalen Lucas and Christian Turner. But again, no outstanding numbers, some solid yards per carry, um, but just yet nothing that's just like a pop guy, uh, you know, where where it's like this guy, if you don't keep track of him, could really, really do some damage. It just kind of feels like they're distributing around a lot, but that's more just because they feel like they have to rather than because they want to. Yeah, I mean, their running backs have kind of similar yards per carry numbers as Nick and Katron. But, like, one thing that I think stands out is you look at their top two rushers, you're looking at just under 250 yards on the year and just under 230 yards on the year. For reference, Nick and Katron are both under over 400. So, mm-hmm. and those are two guys who we're all kind of looking at having slightly disappointing seasons. So not a tremendous showing from the Indiana offense. Um, Mm -hmm. Did forget to mention up top, Penn State's a 32-point favorite, um, over under of 46. I think Mm -hmm. the odds makers are relying on Penn State to uh, handle most of of that total. Um, Yeah, I just, this is kind of a bad team. (laughs) Like, there's there's no two ways around it. Yeah, yeah. And again, top two wide receivers coming in at 285 and 224 yards on the air in Camper and Donovan McCauley um, in their wide receiver room. Again, for reference, uh, you know, our receivers are nothing to, to, to write home about this year, I think, for the most part, as we've uh, talked about. But, you know, Keandre Lambert-Smith easily clearing both of those guys, uh, you know, by, by hundreds of yards, um, you know, into the into the four. So, again, we look at our numbers and, and we under feel underwhelmed about a lot of them. And these ones are, uh, are, are pretty paltry compared to those. Um, I, I will say that their, uh, their, their running back, Lucas, who leads in, in their carries and yardage, is also a pretty solid receiver. Um, he's got 212 on the season, so they definitely like to use him out of uh, the backfield. Uh, they split him out a little bit here and there into the slot. So, uh, you know, an extra guy catching balls um, for their quarterbacks. But, but still, I mean, that speaks more to the fact that you have to kind of almost force feed it to a running back to, uh, to, to pile up some yards versus – um, you know, we got guys that are in the four, 500, 600 yards, and we have a running back in that category. It's more, well, no one's getting that many yards. So, you know, we'll do swing passes and some screens and some other stuff just to try to loosen up the pressure uh, that the defenses they've played against have been throwing at them. Yeah. And I think even more telling than those yards numbers are they have only one pass catcher with more than one touchdown. And Nobody on the entire team has more than two, unless you mm-hmm. count the, the quarterbacks. Yeah. And their leading quarterback is Soresby with three. 
Like <laughs> they're just, they're not putting the ball in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a stat ESPN actually threw into the matchup uh, 120th in points per drive, which again, kind of goes back to, you might be getting some yards, you might be getting into the red zone, but you're just not putting points on the board at all when it comes to, uh, you know, touchdowns and even field goals, to be quite honest, per drive that you're on the field. Um, and 122nd in their success rate metric, which which is also terrible um, and, and kind of speaks to that same level of they're getting some yards here and there, but they're really not doing much with it, um, especially when you look at some of their matchups against higher level teams, um, you know, with with Michigan, Ohio State. It, it's just it's not pretty uh, when they're on the field against a, a good to elite level defense. Yeah. And when you talk about them not being able to score once then, you know, when they do get in the red zone. We talk about something that bodes very poorly when you're going up against this Penn State defense. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, what might even be worse for them is, you know, they, they you you mentioned they have like a weird two quarterback system. So they've got Taven Jackson, who is the more accurate of the two, and I would say the more explosive as well. Nine hundred and fourteen yards, completes sixty percent of his passes, um, seven yards per attempt but he's thrown five interceptions. And then you've got Soresby, who's only completing about 50% of his passes for just under five in average. And like, I mean, I don't see how this team effectively moves the ball <laughs> against Penn state. You know, Soresby's can run, I guess, but he, you know, he isn't doing anything incredible with his legs. Um, and Taven Jackson actually has negative rushing yards on the year because of all the sacks he's taken. Yeah, I mean, I guess they they would hope for a game uh, almost like against Ohio State where it was just a really weird low scoring affair. Um, they actually the game was 10 to three at the end of the first half. Um, obviously, it was the first game of the season. Ohio State was still getting their legs under them with a whole new you know quarterback offensive system. Um, so yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you find a little bit in that because they, they have a feeling that, you know, this Penn state offense doesn't get going as maybe they saw last week, but, um, you know, their defense doesn't necessarily give them that, um, that advantage that a, a defense that we saw last week would give them. So yeah, they're, they're going to have to either find a couple of explosive plays, which they don't have necessarily a ton from this team on the offensive side, um, or, or get some lucky breaks. Uh, which again, don't, you know, don't count on that against a Penn State team that doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And this offense is is gonna they're gonna struggle, I think, for the most part. Um, and their best chance would be keeping a low scoring game, maybe find a couple of plays here and there. Um, you know, probably have to convert more field goals and touchdowns based on what we've seen. And uh yeah, keep it keep it close in a very low scoring game would be would be this offense's best hopes um, you know, to find something, especially on a road game. Yeah, and so, you know, I think that's a good time to move into their defense and, you know, see if they are capable of muddying up this game against the Penn State offense to keep themselves in it. Um, spoiler alert, probably not. But <laughs> it's not the worst defense you've ever seen. So, they, you know, they allow 191 pass yards a game. Not terrible. Not terrible. But 174 rushing yards a game is not great either. You know, it's it's nothing gaudy, but when you consider some of the other teams they play against, 
not exactly what you want to see. And I, I think they're allowing something like 34 points a game. Yeah, the numbers are uh, not not amazing. Um, it, it's weird, though. You go and look back at, at a couple of their games, and even the game against Michigan, they they lost 52-7, to right? That's a pretty – that's almost as bad as you can get in some of these games. Michigan only rushed, um, you know, 42 times for 163 yards, which, I mean, those are decent numbers, right? But for a Michigan team that you expect to, you know, put up two, three, four hundred yards sometimes against a bad defense – um, you know, the numbers weren't great. Now, that was also having to do with the fact that the team, uh, you know, was stifling the Indiana offense so bad that they had short fields and this and that and the other. Um, so that can always mess up the numbers a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's not great. It's not awful. It's not the worst defense in the world. Um, and, you know, when you look at some of their other stacks, um, you know, 14 sacks on the entire season. Um, they have two two of their players that have three. So, you know, a couple of guys that can get to the quarterback given some time. Um, you know, they have six interceptions on the year. Um, you know, through this amount of time, that's probably average, not not amazing, but not terrible. Um, Philip Dunham actually has three of those, so it counts for half of them. So, you know, obviously a little bit more of a ball hawk. But another stat, they have zero fumbles recovered on the season. Um, you know, you usually don't see teams that are necessarily like good or bad at causing fumbles. Sometimes you have a guy here and there that's good at it, but it feels like a weird statistic that not even a single one uh, just from, I don't know, a, a botched play or or any type of situation. They just haven't recovered a single one, um, which I just I just found that one interesting to, to look up the stat sheet. There was one forced fumble, but they didn't recover it. Um, so, yeah, not not necessarily great at forcing turnovers, uh, this defense. Yeah, I mean, that that no fumbles does feel a little fluky, but that also has to tell you they're not getting a lot of guys to the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, that that tells me that maybe they're not a team that, like, gang tackles a whole lot, and right. you, you got to hope that maybe that opens some things up for the running back to maybe break something big if they're not getting multiple guys to a runner on, on a lot of plays. Um, one thing that... I would say is a little worrisome, you know, six interceptions on the year, almost won a game. And they've got a player who, you know, can make them with three on the season in a game where I think fans and maybe not publicly, but most likely also the staff really wants Drew Aller to open up and start using the middle of the field and, you know, maybe letting receivers and tight ends more specifically make contested catches. Mm-hmm. You, you hope that's not something that's too heavily in his mind. Yeah, yeah. You think he breaks the seal this week, Pat? You think it? You think I don't it, it care. I don't down? care. If he, I almost hope he does. <laughs> Just throw the interception. Uh, I'd, mean, I'd rather you throw yeah. an interception every once in a while and be a good quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, when you do have a player that has half of the team's interceptions, clearly. Uh, it's either a situation where, you know, just is constantly looking for the ball or he's a player that the other team is throwing at a ton and he's just had, inter- you know, opportunities for tip balls or, or just for, you know, uh, bad passes, underthrown passes, something like that. But it's definitely something to take note of. Um, I don't I don't think they're to a point where they have guys that are going to follow around our number one guy, uh, both from their defensive scheme as well as our offense doesn't really probably make sense or match up that way. So it would more be a situational type thing where, um, you know, throwing that direction and, and, you know, Dunham would be the guy to, to go after something, but yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, there's, there's a, there's definitely a lot being said about the way that Penn state comes out against 
Um, it, it, this could be any team, right? This could have been Rutgers. This could have been any team, the way they come out after that loss and what it's going to look like against Indiana. And um, this defense isn't necessarily built to stop Penn State. There's no good matchups, I'd say, uh, that they that they necessarily have going for them. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if Penn State uh, you know, kind of goes with a revamped mindset. Is there something else they bring to the table? Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Could could be seeing a completely different team and therefore kind of throw away a lot of these defensive statistics because who knows? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you do have to remember that these are still D1 Big Ten athletes, but Penn State should have the better player at almost every position on the field uh, tomorrow. And at the end of the day, I think Ohio State demonstrated that Penn State can't just roll into a game and with a team that is on par or even better than them and just think they're going to string together nine plus play drives and march down the field and being third and short every time they're in a third down situation so that it's manageable to convert. So Mm -hmm. I I think, I think it's important for Penn state to take the step forward and decide, Hey, we have to be explosive. We have to make big plays. Let's maybe practice that in a game situation. You know? Yeah. It it just feels like, why not, right? Especially in a home game against Indiana, why not just go for it? Just start to start to mix them in. Um, Especially you know, now, if you get up like fourteen nothing early. Right, right. It's it's kind of that whole theory behind when you get seven or eight yards on first down. Second down is kind of that free play to launch a deep ball, knowing that you have third down behind you. Um, you know, this is a situation where you really should be in control. You, you really can rely on your defense to kind of, no matter what happens, uh, you know, step up to the plate. And I think as much as they don't necessarily love that idea, especially after what happened last week, I think they're going to continue to do it because they're just that good. Um, you know, and, and Diaz has just been putting them in such good positions against every team this year. Um, that it really should not be something that this offense should be, I don't know, scared to do, reluctant to do. It's just not, as we saw last week, it's not enough to just take what the defense gives you or to just play it safe in a game plan. It's just not going to be enough. And if they don't start putting this stuff on the field, it's it's just never going to happen. Um, and you don't want it to be in a situation where you're down like last week where you have to start trying new things or, or doing things that feel forced rather than something that the offense is on the same page with in terms of Aller and the receivers and tight ends. Yeah. And th- this is a good time to, to try those new things, to force your young quarterback to do stuff that he's clearly not comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. th- this, this Indiana team's not good. And like, as much as we're going to say, you know, these are D one big 10 athletes, they're not measuring up all that well <laughs> against big other big 10 athletes. Uh, you know, they're two and five overall, but four of those five losses are big 10 opponents. They're own four in the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you put down a really alarming stat here in, in the, the notes in their games against Ohio state, Maryland and Michigan, they've lost 119 to 27 and they're giving up over 420 yards a game in those matchups. Right. Rough. <laughs> Yeah, really, really rough, um, considering one of those games was the first game of the season against Ohio State, um, in which it, it felt like Ohio State was still finding their their kind of rhythm. Uh, the other two, yeah, Maryland and Michigan. So again, when we look at barometer of what the game should look like, we have to turn to the most similar games. 
Um, and, and those would be the three teams you'd probably line us up most against. And uh, yeah, not not pretty at all. Very, uh, very tough outings for that Indiana team. And and again, I, you know, like you said, this is coming off of a loss. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about it that for the most part, the the narrative after losses has changed a bit uh, under under Franklin's tenure in the last couple of years to not allow that to carry over. Um, a lot of times those games were also away games the next game, um, you know, thinking about Michigan State and a few of the other losses that they suffered after that. Um, but this one's back at home. It's against an opponent that they clearly have, a you know, a, a clear advantage in almost every element against. Um, and they know that they've got games coming up against Maryland, which is going to be an away game. And that's that's going to be, you know, a tougher outing week in and week out from what we're seeing. And then they come back home and they play Michigan. So, you know, this schedule doesn't get any easier than this Michigan is Indiana game. And, uh, you know, th- this is a great opportunity. It's a get right game. It's, uh, you know, put things back on the field and get the players back into a mode where, you know, they, they truly believe again and are, uh, you know, back in back in the driver's seat and what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, this is the exact game that you want to have on the schedule after what just happened at the horseshoe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think we can go over in Indiana and how bad they are for <laughs> for quite a bit of time. But let, let's talk a little bit about what this actual matchup looks like. Uh, we always like to talk about what the fans should watch for on Saturday. Um, one of the things I, I'm going to be looking for is Penn State going to dial down the 12 personnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, because here's the thing about having two tight ends on the field. If you're not going to pass it over the middle of the field and over 10 yards, they're not getting targeted a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And Penn State tight ends are not dynamic run blockers this year, the way Bretton Strange kind of was last year at setting the edge. So when you have two tight ends who are not adding a ton to the passing game, the other thing they do is they bring an extra defender into the box to defend against right. the run. And you make it harder for your team to run, which a lot of people don't realize because they think tight ends are good blockers, which they can be, mm-hmm. but yeah. they also bring more people in to defend against the run. And so it's time for Penn State to kind of like, you know, lack of a term, shit or get off the pot when it comes to 12 personnel. (laughs) Either start um... throwing the ball in the middle (laughs) of the field to these tight ends, or you can only play one of them at a time. Yeah, it, it's a good point, too, because, um, you, you know, you note that our, our blocking scheme, especially sealing the edges or getting around the edges, has definitely not been as present as it was last year. Um, and that's honestly, in a lot of ways, where Singleton thrived was getting out onto those edges and finding that lane upfield. Um, I mean, if you've noticed, you know, his bigger runs, you know, in the 15 to 20 range have mostly come all inside. Um, and he really hasn't found that edge around and then that, that get up field where we saw him break the long ones last year. Um, and that's a mixture of things. Um, but definitely one of them being the lack of ability to seal the edge well and allow him to get into the open field where he can, uh, you know, where he can kind of rev the engines a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, it's, a it's a weird, um, complex style thing because, Two players are good. We know they're good players, but how they're being utilized in that type of formation um, feels like at times it's it's kind of weird and perplexing and not as effective as it really should be. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned how important that edge was to Nick Singleton last year, and Brenton Strange was really great at setting that edge. Um, Theo Johnson is not as good at it. 
And if you're going to make it more difficult for us to get that edge, there has to be the the benefit that comes in the passing mm-hmm. game with having those guys there. And it hasn't been there because yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say it's not because they're getting open, but they're not getting looked at in that area of the field a whole lot. Right. Right. Yeah. No, no, definitely. Uh, it would be interesting to see, um, you know, what, what percentage do they continue to roll that out versus start to change it up. And it's actually kind of leading into what I'm watching for on this one, uh, which is starting to see a couple of new guys getting, getting on the field more. Um, and I'm not just talking about the end of a game where they're up by, you know, five or six touchdowns. I'm talking about early and often um, seeing Cephas on the field, seeing Saunders, um, maybe McLean gets worked back in. Franklin obviously got questioned a couple of times about if uh, Privula had a package. He said yes. He said that they had plans to use it. Uh, you know, you and I talked a little bit about this from the Ohio State game of like, well, if not then, then when? Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think we're going to start to see some more, um, you know, trying to change it up, maybe running a little bit more of a two minute drill to get things moving a little bit faster and keep guys on the field, find some rhythm with, uh, you know, with Aller, um, you know, do we decide, Hey, this team's given up 175 rushing yards a game. Let's, let's just battering ram them a little bit. Let's get two running backs and privilege in the game and, and run it down their throats a little bit to get the team fired up to get the offensive line feeling good about getting that push forward. Who knows? Um, but I do think we're going to start to see some guys getting chances. I think we've had, um, you know, plenty of reps for guys that have gotten on the field that feels like they've either underperformed um, or just have put enough on tape to say, hey, other guys are going to start to you know, see the field and see what they can do. And, yeah, I, I would I would definitely watch for a few new numbers um, on your screen more often early on than uh, maybe we've been used to. Yeah, I, I would really like to see Cephas getting involved. I think he had a tough start to the year. A couple of drops, wasn't really used to the offense. Um, had two nice catches at the end of that Ohio State game. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I think that was the easiest part of the game to get catches for Penn State, but still. Uh, Saunders, with the touchdown at the end of the game, has shown the ability to be explosive. He might be a guy who, if you're trying to spark this offense – as long as he can keep up with, you know, what this offense is supposed to be, you know, and from a, you know, from a standpoint of knowing the offense and always doing the right thing would be fun to have out there on the field. And mm-hmm. Malik McLean, yeah, Malik McLean had a good start to the season. And a lot of people got really excited about him. And I don't know if mm-hmm. it's been a thing where he's having trouble getting open, maybe having trouble understanding the offense fully, but he seems to have really fallen off. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they're definitely at the point where they need to be open to giving a lot of these guys a chance to go make a play, to go show them and put something else on the field. Um, because as we discussed, as I'm sure they watched in the film room and as I'm sure everyone felt what they put on the field last week just wasn't good enough in, in any sense. And it's it's obviously not on any individual person. But at the same time, it does have to be the guys who were seeing the field the most often um, that you got to you got to put that on them and say, hey, you know, we gave you a lot of opportunities and we got to we got to allow for this competition to hopefully, you know, someone rise to the top. Yeah, you got to hope there's been a fire lit under these wide receivers and, you know, maybe the defensive backs are bringing it extra hard in practice this week, trying to, you know, challenge them, motivate them, get something going. Yeah, Yeah, Um, definitely. But, you know, every game comes with its fair share of surprises, uh, hopefully good ones this week. But 
Dan, what, what do you think Penn State fans shouldn't be surprised about happening on Saturday? Uh, it, it could still be a slow game overall, Pat, but I, I would not be surprised if Penn State start to finish, wants to pour it on heavy this week, wants to get back to winning by heavy amounts of double digits, covering the spread, letting everyone know that, yes, we played a really good team last week, an elite team, perhaps, as Franklin said, two of the best teams in the country, um, you know, establishing that fact again and, and not coming out and allowing a, a lesser opponent to stay even close to them in a home game. Um, still is important. It's still important for visuals. And even if backups start going in, I, I could see this still becoming, you know, a game where down to the last couple of drives, we're still looking for the end zone every single time. Um, and not, you know, not just kind of playing it to punt back and forth. I just college football has become so critical and harsh of every single loss of every single area that you might be not as proficient in that it's just, it's so critical. There's a microscope on everything that you just feel like these are the games where you have to come out and say, we are so many leagues ahead of this team that we're closer and right next to Ohio State, Michigan, than we are to the middle of the pack into that, you know, oh, a top 20 type team. So it just feels like their energy and their kind of vengeance, so to speak, uh, will come will come throughout the entire game here. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um... James Franklin is always a guy who I think likes to rack up the style points, likes to cover the spread. Um, and a- after after a week like your offense had last week, I actually think for team morale, it is important, as well as fan mm-hmm. base morale, to feel like, remind everyone that, hey, we put the ball in the end zone. Um, yeah, yeah. And that actually ties pretty nicely with what I think fans shouldn't be surprised about. And that is if Penn State gets very aggressive on its first drive. I think this is an offense that has shied away from taking downfield shots, from being aggressive early. And Penn State has not scored a lot of points on their first drives and games. Mm-hmm. Indiana has allowed a touchdown in three of their first uh, – three out of four of ga- their Big Ten games on the first drive. Weirdly enough, the only one they didn't was against Michigan. So <laughs> Indiana's defense uh-huh. does not start hot. So let's take advantage of that, you know? Let's not let them get into a rhythm. Don't let them settle in. Get them on their heels right away. Score. March down the field. Score in five plays. Right. Do it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how much more excited you could be on the defensive side of the ball than to go and see your offense score to start the game. It's like the thing you didn't get to see at all the entire last week of the game just happens right before your eyes where they put together a drive like that in meaningful game time um, and and give you a chance to get on the field with a lead, Um, which is weird, right? Because up until this game, Penn State was pretty much leading through every single game, uh, you know, a little bit of time in the Northwestern game they weren't, but um, but yeah, it, it just feels like reset that mindset, get back into that. Hey, we're going to come in, take the lead, never give it back again and just run away with the game. Uh, and yeah, if that can start on the first drive, or at least their first offensive drive. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised about that either. Um, you know, it depends how they do it. I think that's going to be a big part of it, but yeah, it yeah. Would, would not surprise me at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think they're going to try to do it with more explosive chunk plays. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think, and I hope I'm manifesting, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, we can make all the predictions we want. The only things that matter are who come, who emerges victorious. Sweens, what are your keys to victory for Penn state? 
Is is it too crass to say converting third downs, Pat? No, um, I think I think it's very on the nose. <laughs> that that seems like definitely is a key um, to losing if you don't convert third downs. But in all seriousness, and in, in a much more of a a realistic sense, um, just having offensive consistency. I think we definitely want to again see the aggressiveness, see some of the big plays, but also see like that you can re-sustain your drives again. I mean, Penn State had a decent track record coming into that Ohio State game of having long drives where they were staying on the field. They were still finding ways to convert. And that's what made that third down conversion number so atrocious is it wasn't like Penn State couldn't convert third downs consistently or they couldn't maintain long drives. And they just could not find any consistency last week. Um, And I think it's going to be really good to see them get back to maintaining drives, get back to converting where they really should be. Yes, hit hit some plays, be aggressive. But in this game, the key to victory is going to be just to stay on the field, exhaust out that defense, and then let our defense do what they do best and you know run away with this game pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The only caveat I would have to that is I would hope that Penn State is not in a lot of third downs this week. I think that would be a really good sign for this offense. And not even joking. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to no, see that's fair. That's fair. 10 third down conversions out of Penn State. I want to see Penn State only facing five third downs because they're racking up the yards per play stat that has been so concerned. Yeah. But I think from a more yeah. practical standpoint, you're probably right. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say I think that's definitely something I'd hope to see. But if we're also going to see them take the more aggressive approach, that could mean some long incompletions down the field really? on second down where they do have to convert some quick third downs to keep the drive going. So it's a it's a weird balance, right? True. We'd love to see them hit it on first down and second down and keep the ball moving. But if we want to see them take some risks, those could come with incompletions and some messiness that that could end up, you know, putting them in third down situations, too. That is true. That's a good point. Um to, to me, this game all comes down to the defense. Uh, key to victory for me is this defense does what it's done all season. It stays tight. It doesn't have a letdown game after a tough mm-hmm. week. And it keeps forcing Indiana's defense back on the field. That mm-hmm. has been the kind of formula for victory for Penn State is the defense just wears you down offensively and defensively until you tire out and start letting up points in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would love to see the offense really batter Indiana's defense, but to me, the, the only way Indiana stays in this game is if Penn State's defense has a lackluster showing. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's going to be one of those situations where we we're we're weirdly trying to re go back to the pre Ohio state games when the defense was so good and so dominant that Penn State's offense was playing in short fieldage almost every time they got the ball, essentially. Um, and, and that's honestly what we kind of expect on this. And I think that will easily allow even the most mid-tier offensive performance, if they were to have that, to still dominate this game pretty heavily. Um, really hope that's not the case. But yeah, in terms of a victory here, I think the defense can can exactly put that that offense in a box and just allow the, you know, the Penn State offense to do whatever they want because they'll have the field position, they'll have the clock, they'll have everything they need. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's been it's been the side of the ball that's dominant. That's won games for Penn State all season. We just didn't really mm-hmm. realize it until last week. 
But yeah, <laughs> I think what the fans want to know the most is what the final score of this game is going to be. Dan, lay it on me. Yeah, the minus 32, uh, you know, another big spread, but Penn State is uh, is no stranger to these large spreads this year, especially at home. Um, the over-under at 46, uh, you know, weather looks like it's going to be yeah, decent, but again, we talked about the rushing game uh, being really bad on the Indiana side. So, you know, I see this maybe not looking like it's going to cover the full everything, but at the end of the day, I think Penn State's going to put up 49. I think Indiana could uh, grab a score at some point, so I'm going to go 49-7 to with Penn State. Yet again, covering uh, a pretty large spread and hitting the over in what could be a cold, rainy day, but still uh, you know, good enough for them to get it done. Okay, I like that. Um, I want to go on record here that I, I chose my score prediction before I looked at the over-under. <laughs> I did not realize that it was set at 46 when I chose a score of 42 to three to come in for a total of 45. Ah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but that's what I'm going with. Um, I think yeah. the state still manages to rack up the points. I think this is going to look like a very familiar game mm-hmm. to Penn state fans. Unfortunately, I hope not, but I think it is going to be like a kind of, you know, at halftime, it's like a, 17 or 21 to nothing kind mm-hmm. of thing. I would say probably 17, but like you're not really super enthused by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Indiana will get a field goal. You know, I'll give them that. I don't like to predict yeah. the shutout, but <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think Penn State wins big, but frustratingly. Yeah. I, I mean, look, we're hoping they come out guns a blazing and they go up 21 nothing in the first quarter. I mean, that that is, we are praying for that. And like you said, we're not going to be surprised if they do start trying to take those aggressive shots. And, you know, we would love to see them hit. We would love to see that happen. I, you know, we'll be cheering the hardest for that. Um, but it's just come to the point where against every single level of competition from UMass to Ohio State, we just haven't seen them do it. And that just makes it so hard to predict that they will do it. We hope they can and that they're going to try. But either way, I think you're right. This outcome is going to be the same. Yeah, and I I would actually, I wouldn't hate, even if the score is the same, but like if Penn State punts a couple of times, but then it has a couple of like three to five play touchdown drives that Mm -hmm. culminate in big plays, I'd kind of rather see that this week. At least they're putting on film that it's a threat, that they're trying Mm -hmm. it, and teams have to defend against it. Yeah, and just honestly, the confidence that you give back to, uh, you know, a very downtrodden Aller who I'm sure is trying to kind of get that mental back to hit a couple of big plays downfield. I, I mean, that does wonders, even if it's against Indiana, it doesn't matter. That that just is that would be such a huge thing to have in a game and the way that that it you know it could happen. Um, you know, you're really hoping that that would be something that would just lift the spirits back up again and uh yeah make it possible right which is all we want to see yeah um i've been very critical of drew for a little a little bit here but i i do want to reiterate that i think he is the guy for penn Mm -hmm. state i just i want to we need to see it um i I think it's kind of a combination of the coaching staff and his own mind Mm -hmm. let him loose just got to let him loose and let him play. He's got the physical ability. He's got the arm talent. Let him take shots. And we know he's smart enough. He's not going to turn into Brett Favre if you let him throw the ball down the field a few times. (laughs) So Drew, Mike, James, let him cook. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. But mo- most importantly, even if it's ugly, let's go 1-0 this week. Let's beat Indiana. We'll see you uh, shortly after the game for our recap. We are. We are, y'all.